Richard, would you come up? Um, Richard has something that he feels like the Lord sort of shared with him as he was coming down here today. And uh, first of all, why don't you clap for this miracle of God? If you, are, if you haven't been here in a while or if you are new, um, Richard has essentially, we, we think, has been actually in a hospital or healthcare facility more than he's been out this year. Has just spent probably the last, uh, I don't know, five or six weeks down at uh, McGuire uh, Veterans Hospital. And so it um, was just, uh, uh, they sprung him last Monday and uh, he was able to... Uh, uh, to get out and to get back home, and actually, I think it was Tuesday, and Tuesday night he was at men's group. So, um, and, Wednesday night at life and, and Wednesday night at life group. So, for all those of you who, you know, can think of many, many excuses why not to be somewhere, you better not share them with him, <laughs> because he will laugh in your face. Uh, let me get you a microphone. Good morning, everybody. My voice carries that well. As the pastor was saying, I've spent three quarters of this year in the hospital or rehab centers. And it's not one thing. It was one thing after another. <coughs> Everything from pneumonia twice, the flu, broken pelvic bone, uh, bloodstream infection that I had to stay six weeks in uh, to get intravenous feeding and uh, been uh, numerous uh, heart rate uh, things that they had to try to control. So Satan has tried to sift me like he did Paul. But God in all his glory would not allow that. He protect me. And so this old man is still around and he's still here to hopefully exhort and encourage and to let Christ's light shine off of me into you girl's heart. And I feel later on, I'm going to discuss it with the pastor, but I have uh, I've commitment. I feel the Lord's putting on my heart uh, for the veterans after being down there in the veterans hospital and uh, dealing with some of them I feel that he's calling me into a special ministry to work with these veterans so first of all I want you all to pray about that but as I was coming down the road as long as I pray and I sing in words and I sing in, in uh spiritual words just between me and God and God told me he said and this is before I ever knew that he was going to have the king of glory as one of his songs God told me speak to the people about my glory if you remember the first incident in the Bible of Nimrod trying to build the tower you know to reach the heavens. He was seeking all the glory. He was seeking for all the people of the world, one world government, to look to him and to glorify him. 
And of course, God's a jealous God, and he would not allow that. So he broke everyone's languages up so that they couldn't understand it, and they could not build that tower. And so that was the message he gave me coming down there, that him and him alone belongs the glory. And that we're not just to voice those words, we're to commit my, ourselves to this and remind ourselves that anything and everything that is good comes from God and He deserves the glory. No one else. They might use doctors and nurses and special care people to help us, but they're His instruments. And we're to thank them, but to God belong all glory. And we're not to forget that, that we're to remember anything good that comes into our lives, we need to glorify God and to lift Him up. And that was the message that He put on my heart coming down here long before I heard that song play. So that was about a confirmation of what God wanted me to say. And you don't know how much it means to me to be with my family once again after such a long uh, stay away and, and Satan trying everything he could to kill and destroy me. But God was there in all his glory and he sustained me. And I give him, and I give him alone all the glory and the praise. I gave him the glory and the praise for bringing me back to my family. And so that's what I wanted to say. And so thank every one of you for your prayers and your encouragement and for your visits. It meant so much in sustaining me. So thank you very much. Right. <laughs> I have a, uh, a wonderful sermon on Revelation all prepared, but I'm not so sure what's what we're supposed to do today. Um, God put this on my heart later part of this week, and I've been sort of in discussion with him ever since <laughs> about whether or not this is what I'm supposed to do, um, and the negotiations did not go uh, in my favor. <laughs> So, we're just going to kind of leap into the abyss here, knowing that uh, God is going to catch me. And so what I've uh, sort of been led to share with, uh, with you all today and, um, is uh, something that's probably very familiar to you, and that's the parable of the lost son. Many of you may know it as the parable of the prodigal son. But there's something in here that I think he wants me to point out that, honestly, I had never really thought about before, and maybe you haven't either. And maybe it'll make a difference in your life. So I'm going to read it. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, 
and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, <coughs> the odds are that if you've been in church for any reasonable length of time, you've probably heard that parable. If you read your Bible, you've probably read it. If you went to Sunday school, you probably heard it there. It's not an unfamiliar story. And there are all kinds of interpretations of it or things that, that can be pointed out. You know, the fact that the father was waiting and watching and ran, which was something that Jewish men typically didn't do, but ran to the son. Um, and, and there are other things in here as well. I mean, we often talk about the fact that this whole idea of the son asking for his share of the property was really akin to him wishing that his father was dead. Because typically when do you inherit your share of the estate? It's when your father or your relative dies. And so by asking that, he was essentially saying, Dad, you know, I really wish you were dead so I could have my stuff. But 
What I'd like to kind of point out to you today are, are a couple of things out of this parable. And if that doesn't connect with anyone, then maybe we'll just go on and talk about Revelation. But I, I just, I can't, I don't think I can until I, we do this. The first thing <clears throat> is that you will note that there is no condemnation by the Father whatsoever when the Son asks. Now, we, we're fond of pointing out the fact that when the Son comes back, the Father is so thrilled to see him. But what I want you to get today is the fact that when the Son actually said to him, Dad, I wish you were dead and you would just give me my stuff, the Father did not say a word to him. In other words, there was no condemnation by the Father that the son was wanting to kind of go off and try to find his own identity. And so many of us do that. We go off and, and we look for our own identity in various things. And when we're approached with the message of the gospel, it's almost as if it sounds too good to be true. And we say, well, but I can't, I can't accept that because all this stuff that I've done in my life, I mean, it's like, God, if you knew what I've done. <laughs> really? <laughs> I would suggest to you that not only did God, does God know what you've done, God knew you were going to do it when you left. And yet, he didn't condemn you. There was none of that. He said, it's okay, my son. If you must, then you go on. I'll be here when you get back. The second thing is that there were, in effect, two prodigals in this story, not one. Did you ever really consider the fact that the second son was a prodigal as well? Yeah. We don't really look at it that way, but he was. His sin was judgment. He couldn't accept the fact that his dad was happy for his brother, and yet so he went immediately to start judging him. And once again, did the father condemn him? Did he tell him he was wrong? Did he suggest in any way that he shouldn't feel like that? No, he simply reiterated the message of the lost son and the fact that he said that you've always been a part of this. And that's, that's some of us too. We've got that spirit in us, whether it's a spirit of judgment or kind of a critical nature. And that keeps us from sitting at the table with the Father. 
That's what he's after. That's what the Father is after. He wants you to come and sit at the table and feast with him. Some of us have run away and some of us have just stood there like this. No, I'm not going in. And what I want to share with you today is that both of those things are wrong. That God has never condemned either of those positions. That through it all, he has just simply loved you. And that he, he, he knew whatever terrible things that you went off and did when you asked for your inheritance and left. He knew you were going to do that. And yet, he stood waiting and watching. Knowing that at some point, you too would come to your senses. Or come to yourself. And there's, that's sort of a key thing. And it depends on the translation you're looking at. But this idea of he came to himself can be interpreted as he finally figured out what his identity was. He finally figured out that he was truly a son. I don't know that he really got that before. He thought he had to go out in the world and create his own identity. And so that's what he did. He took all this money and I'm sure he made a name for himself. I don't think it was very good. And so eventually he comes to a point where he figures out, well, actually, I, you know, I've kind of gotten lost in all of this when in fact I have an identity. It's my father's. And if I'll just go back, and so the message, I, I think what the Lord really wanted, why he put this on my heart so strongly was that that there, there, there are folks here that needed to hear this today. Yes. I don't know who you are. And if that's you, if this just has struck a chord in you in a way that it never has before, or if you have been one of those who have said, you know, I just, I can't, I can't go back because what I've done is just too terrible. Hopefully you've heard today that that doesn't matter. By simply putting your faith in Jesus, that's, that goes away. God didn't condemn you before. In fact, Jesus, shortly after this parable, I can't remember where it is, but essentially he says, 
I don't condemn you either. I think he said that to the, uh, the woman who was caught in adultery. You know, when all the Pharisees dropped their rocks and left, and no one stoned her. And he looked at her and he says, where are your accusers? They've all gone, sir. Well, neither do I accuse you. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. Neither do I accuse you. That's not the heart of the Father. So if this has stirred something up in you, then I just I feel like we're supposed to pray for you. And I'm not even sure what we would pray for, but you know, I, I would say that if this has, has truly spoken to you in a way and you feel like it's God poking your heart and you need to come up here and get prayer, we're just going to do it right now. I'm not, you know, this is a little out of order and this is part of what I was arguing with God about. I'm like, well, Lord, we do ministry time at the end. <laughs> Don't you know that? Well, I sort of lost that argument too. <laughs> it's really not good to get in an argument with God because you're not going to win. And so I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess we could do it then, Lord. That's really what you want. Yeah, that's really what I want. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for playing along. I say this lightly, but, you know, that's, that's sort of how it happens with me. I, you know, I, and I don't know, maybe you all don't argue with God. <laughs> if you don't, don't tell me. It'll make me feel bad. But all kidding aside, it, it, uh, seriously, if this, ha if this, and this is the scary part for me because I don't know, but if, if that has spoken to anyone, would you just come down here and stand? I'm going to ask John to come up as well and just kind of help me pray. Just line up in, no, 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 backs to them, eyes to me. That's right. Yeah, we're not just, uh, if you're the second prodigal, in other words, if you're the older son, you, you, you can come up too. All right, so we got a whole bunch of older sons up here. That's great. <laughs> you need to go with a different group, John. <laughs> what I'm going to ask all of you to do is just pray with me. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm turning the microphone off because what I pray is between God and these precious people here. And I'd also say this, if while we're in the process of this, if God touches you and if you're right now in your seat and you're kind of doing this, you know, where you're debating, should I go, should I not go, should I go, should I not go, go. 
Can't you see that God orchestrated this? You know, God did this for these people. And he did it for you too. If you're wrestling with the idea of coming up in front of a, a group of people and kind of putting yourself out there. God went to all this trouble for you. Sally, you're supposed to be up here praying too. Just join, join in me. Pray, you know, hold out your hands. If that feels right to you, that's not a requirement. Just pray silently, you know, where you are. Lift these people up. Pray that God gives them and that they receive whatever it is that he has for them today.